and welcome to the One Degree Shift podcast. I'm your host, Eric Termundi, and I'm excited to introduce you to the wonderful guests I've got on season two and the little things they're doing to create a more intentional future for themselves, for their teams, and for the communities around them. I hope you enjoy. Jonathan Narvey, thank you so much for joining the One Degree Shift podcast. How are you today? I am great. Thank you for having me. Now, we were connected not all that long ago. Actually, we weren't even connected. You had you had reached out because we shared being on a very uh, exciting list together, both being Vancouver podcasters that uh, people tend to enjoy. Yeah, our, our mutual friend, uh, William Johnson, that guy, he's amazing. And mm-hmm. I am so honored and pleased to be on any list that he would create. So oh, I guess we're movers and shakers too. <laughs> Perfect. Tell us, uh, tell us a little bit about uh, who you are, what you're up to, and um, what, what you're most excited about right now when it comes to the work that you're doing. Fantastic. Great. Um, so I am Jonathan Narvi, the owner of MindMeld PR. We are a, uh, a PR agency that works with tech companies. So that's, that's my job. Who am I? I'm a recovering journalist who turned into or turned into a marketing and PR guy. And what am I busy with these days? You know, I I, I like to split my time partly between well managing clients, mm-hmm. uh, developing strategy, and and also working with my team, building them up. Uh, so mm-hmm. we don't have a giant team, you know, as most agencies are. are or many of them are, are a little bit boutique. So uh, I invest a lot of time into into training and and mm-hmm. uh, sort of also just providing a good example. What comes to mind when I think of marketing and PR is that you're really good at getting people's attention in a very short amount of time. Uh, I think reporters uh, or journalists are as well. I mean, you have to have the headline uh, in order to get people to read the first sentence, which then you hope would then segue to the second sentence. Uh, you have to have that compelling story. You have to, um, you've got to be good, but that takes a lot of time. What have you learned about getting people's attention over your years doing the work that you do? Well, there's a lot that goes into this. And that, so this gets into your idea of one degree shifts and what what are the tiny little things you can do to mm-hmm. improve things and these little things add up. So I, I'm all about reducing cognitive load, reducing the time that it takes for somebody to understand what it is they're seeing in front of them and act upon it. So mm-hmm. as you say, you know, we're, we're dealing with reporters with, you know, who are incredibly distracted, getting 200 pitches a day. Sure. Uh, and so how, how do you tell them succinctly what they need to know? What's the news they need to know? I'll, I'll get into some specifics and then we can go broader if you like. Uh, so getting the subject line down to something super short, but super powerful, memorable. Ideally, when we're pitching a story, a lot of the time we want them to use our subject line effectively as the headline for the story that we're pitching. Now, of course, reporters are not stenographers, they're creative people. And so they, they'll want to do their own thing maybe, but we want to make it easy for them. So, you know, some other things, the use of language. My vocabulary is extensive. I'm, I'm, that, I'm that guy, but I don't show off in a pitch. I keep things mm-hmm. super simple. Uh, this goes back to the basics of writing. You know, never use a, a long word when a short word will do. 
Keep your sentences short. 10 to 12 words is pretty much maximum. I, I rarely go over two clauses in a sentence. And so beyond the mechanics of writing, it's covering the, the five W's. What is, what is important about this story? And in particular, for the reporter where I'm reaching out to, what is the thing that this person in particular is going to be interested in? And have I put that in the first sentence, in the second sentence? Otherwise, they're not mm-hmm. going to read further. This requires a level of empathy too, or at least putting yourself in other people's shoes, anticipating what they might be interested in. How do you make it about them and not about you? That's such a great question. And it's it's precisely that. It's, it's about empathy. And um, my advantage um, is that I was, I, as I say, I, I was a recovering reporter. Uh, I, I, I used to, um, I, I used to be a journalist and um, I sort of saw where things were going with the whole journalism industry. And I, I uh, you know, it's, it's, it's hard out there for a working journalist now. Um, and uh, so I, I found ways to apply my skill set in marketing mm-hmm. and, and then specializing in PR. Um, so uh, just by, by function of being a former journalist, I remember what I liked Mm-hmm. When, when I was uh, on the receiving end of 200 pitches a day. And so I, I sort of abide by those same rules. It's, it, I mean, it's easier for me to put myself in that mindset because I was in that mindset for a number of years. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, you know, again, it's, it's covering off the, th- the things I, I discussed before is uh, number one, you, you, you want to do your research. Not every reporter is the same. So what are their most recent stories? What are the, what are they interested in outside of journalism? Check out their Twitter, check out their LinkedIn. Uh, who do they know that, you know, uh, have you possibly encountered them before? I'm terrible at tracking people uh, without the aid of uh, technology tools. So, uh, it's, it's very likely that if I, if I'm pitching a reporter, well, I, I always check to make sure that, uh, you know, is there a, an email thread? Is there, have I actually pitched this person like a dozen times and, and I just, I'm not, it's not clicking. So, uh, yeah. I use technology to, to improve those tools, to, to make sure that I have a full understanding of this person as full as possible so that I can, uh, maybe reference a tweet reference something they said in their, in a recent story reference, something that uh, seems like it would be on their radar. And, uh, and I hope, hope for the best. Thank you for sharing that. I mean, this is already an incredibly valuable, actionable thing, uh, podcast that, uh, that we can all take away from. You talk about being a recovering journalist. I'm a recovering smartest person in the room wannabe, you know, uh, in my line of work, I'm, on on stages quite often, virtually now, um, but in person before. And, you know, there were many cases where I was the youngest person in the room and uh, in full transparency. And I I thought that despite being the youngest, I had to sound smart. You know, I had to use big words and long sentences. I had to be cerebral. I had to connect dots that uh, nobody had connected before. That was my job. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a keynote speaker. But what you're telling me is that I've been doing it all wrong. And this is something that I started to realize too. You know, if you can't explain something to a five-year-old, you don't understand it well enough. We've heard that before. How do I start to 
you know, whether I'm pitching or something, I mean, I, I could see sales leaders taking so much uh, value from, from this conversation. Um, how do I start to get those wins? You know, if, I, if, if, if I'm a listener and I'm recovering from trying to be the smartest person in the room, you know, because it just seems so counterintuitive. I'm using simple phrases and, and, and simple words. How is that going to be more effective? Do you have, do you have any tips for me? You know, this is such a great and deep question. And by the way, I don't think you're giving yourself enough credit there. Uh, there is nothing wrong with uh, wanting to present yourself as the smartest person in the room, but in the sense of not that, I, hey, I'm better than you, but mm. that I have knowledge to share. I've seen a thing or two. And right. uh, I am so happy to be able to share the knowledge with you that you're going to be able to use in your life right now. Mm. What is actionable? That, that's a word you used before. Um, that gets to the heart of it. So when you're speaking to an audience or, or whether if I'm pitching a journalist, the, one of the keys is being specific. Specific beats mm -hmm. general every time. Mm -hmm. um, so if I can, uh, it, there's a saying in journalism, show, don't tell. Mm -hmm. um, so if you can throw in, instead of saying, you know, let me present a successful company that you should have your eye on, uh, a better approach is check out how this company grew 800% in the last two weeks. Check out how uh, this founder uh, uh, sold their last startup for $150 million. Uh, mm -hmm. And, and uh, this is the new thing he's working on. So numbers are huge. Uh, mm -hmm. Facts are, are big. And one thing that's, that's, uh, I, is, is fun to play with is you know throw out facts or or situations that people may not even realize uh, sort of prove the opposite of what they've thought all all those years long ago. Uh, like it's 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 so fun when you mm -hmm. actually learn something new. Uh, I'll give you an example. Uh, I was reading um, uh, a, a book by Thomas Sowell. He's an, a, an economist that, that I admire greatly. And uh, I discovered in reading that, that uh, what, I what I knew about the history of uh, the, the environmental movement was, um, well, uh, one particular fact was mm -hmm. off. And this was a mm -hmm. crucial fact. There was a, a book that kicked off the environmental movement called Silent, Silent Spring. And uh, one, one big sort of fact in that is DDT is bad for humans. DDT is, is an insecticide. Mm -hmm. Turns out, yeah, so it gives people cancer. Yes, it does. But if you're in Africa or Asia and you die from malaria by the time of 40, you never get cancer. So, right. so it's like, this is a fact that it's like DDT, DDT kills people. No, DDT saves people and they live long enough to eventually get cancer. That, that's sort of, you know, an interesting mm -hmm. fact that, you know, it's, it's a dark fact, but it's, well, it's also a positive one. Uh, mm -hmm. It gets you to rethink things. So um, uh, again, you know, I'm a bit of a rambler. So hopefully that that gives you a good example. Okay. So how do I get reps? You know, how how do I get this practice? Because you know, not all of us are uh, pitching 10, 15, 20, 30, 50 times a, a day. And maybe I'm looking for that next job. I'm looking to write a, a, a cover letter or, or skip all that. I'm just looking to get a coffee meeting with somebody that might unlock um, the next big thing for me. Um, I don't want to try a new style. I don't want to have this be my first time. Do you know what I mean? So uh, where, where do I get practice? How do I test my ability to pitch without having to put everything on the line? 
Well, there's, there's two things you can do. One is before you pitch, uh, as I emphasize this before, do your research, do listen, listen a mm-hmm. lot, check out, uh, do, work like a private detective, check out, check out YouTube, see if this person you're about to pitch has spoken, get a feel for how they speak, what they're interested in, get really clinical, get, get in there. So once you have a better understanding of how to, who your audience is, you have a better idea of, of how to approach them. Now, one thing I do to uh, pitch better, whether it's verbally or in, in an email is, this sounds funny, I talk to myself. I talk to myself a lot and sometimes out loud, but usually when people aren't around. So <laughs> what I'll do is it, it, I won't necessarily practice new conversations. It's like, okay, what would the pitch sound like? Instead, I'll go back to, you know, very often a, a new pitch, a new kind of outreach is based off old outreach. I'm, I'm, I'm reusing what I think has worked before. And if something hasn't worked before, then I run through that in my head. If you were a Seinfeld fan, you, you might remember the episode with uh, uh, the, the jerk store episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and George Costanza is trying to come up with the most amazing comeback to this, this colleague at work that he hates and he spends so much time on this. So it's, it's the jerk store method of, okay, either, either, you know, a pitch that I did before it went well, in which case, what did I learn and talk to myself and, and, and run through that conversation, run through that scenario. And if it went badly, okay, well, you know, again, talk to myself, maybe just in inside my own head of, you know, how could I have run this differently? And it's, it's, it, I, I say run this differently as in run an experiment. That's what you're right. doing every time. Right. right. Amazing. Jonathan, I mean, this has been uh, in- incredibly valuable. I, I love the facts. I love the actions. I love the specifics. Give me the biggest lesson that you've learned over the past 12 months due to the pandemic or otherwise that has enabled you to be better at your job. There's a few things, uh, a few go-tos that I have. Number one is let the research do the work. Um, uh-huh. So uh, this is a case of very, very often creative people want to think through a problem. Yeah. That's fine. Uh, but uh, I, I, I apply uh, a method that uh, Michael Crichton used when he was writing Jurassic Park and actually all mm-hmm. of his best-selling novels, which is research the hell out of everything. With Jurassic Park, he read everything he could get on, get his hands on about dinosaurs and cloning for two years. And then he just mm-hmm. barfed up all that he knew uh, onto the uh, in, in through his typewriter. Then the second draft, he, he fixed it up. So you research, you you think deeply about what you've learned, and then you step away. Uh, and this is, this is part of the uh, creative process that I've tried to instill in my team as well. You step away from the work. It's like the, the, there's a scene in Mad Men as well, where uh, a client visits the agency and asks, why are these copywriters all goofing off and, and uh, you know, uh, uh, throwing paper airplanes around? And uh, Don Draper, the, the creative director, his answer is, we, uh, you know, we let them be unproductive so that they can be productive. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you have to do the research, but then give yourself time to actually think it through. And then just, it'll, it'll come to you. Mm-hmm. It'll come to you. Uh, this has been uh, such a great chat. Is there, is there anything else you want to share with us today? 
I'll say I'm happy to have met you. Uh, honestly, uh, this is our uh, this is our second conversation, and mm -hmm. uh, I'm just I, I feel like we're coming becoming fast friends. So this is great. Uh, <laughs> you know, so this is this is great. I'm I'm uh, also you know I'm a big uh, believer in the local uh, tech scene and and the and innovation in BC and Canada and the West Coast more broadly. And I predict even with COVID, actually maybe especially with COVID. We're seeing big changes in technology mm -hmm. that are going to make our lives better and better going forward. And uh, I, I'm very optimistic about the future. We share that optimism and the appreciation for the new friendship. So Jonathan, thanks so much for, uh, for your time today. I really appreciate it. Eric, thank you very much for your time. Take care.